Working Class Audio is brought to you by Universal Audio, Audio Technica, and Gearsluts.com. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 178. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 178 you're listening to. Usually it's just one guest that we have, but today I actually have two guests. Uh, our primary guest is Brad Phillips, producer, engineer, and owner of Studio 101 in South Carolina. That's Woodruff, South Carolina. That's in the northern part of South Carolina. Population roughly 4,000. Kind of a small town, but a uh, lot going on there. Yeah. Pull out your map. Check it out. Woodruff, South Carolina, Studio 101. That's right. Brad Phillips coming up here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Now, before we talk to Brad Phillips, we're going to have a conversation with my chiropractor. That's right. We're going to go a little bit outside of, of, of our lane a little bit here today in the world of audio. And based on emails I've been getting about having outside professionals on who actually directly relate to our field in audio, I figured there's no better person than my favorite chiropractor in the world, Dr. Jeremy Steele from Beheimer Steele Chiropractic, located right here in Lafayette, California. That's right. So I, I stopped in to talk to Dr. Steele and talk about chiropractic medicine in the back and some advice about uh, what we can do as audio professionals to uh, keep our back healthy. So uh, yeah, Dr. Jeremy Steele coming up here as well here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. All right, since we do have two interviews today, we're going to keep the monologue somewhat short. But I do want to mention to you to be sure and stop on over to Gearsluts.com. Check out the subform known as Audio Life. We sponsor it. And the reason is, is that it's discussion about all the things we talk about here on Working Class Audio, health and fitness, uh, work-life balance, et cetera, all those things. So if you're a little burnt on the discussion of audio gear, no problem. Head on over there and check out Audio Life there at Gearsluts.com. And also be sure to stop by Universal Audio's website, that's at uaudio.com, to check out what's the latest and the greatest from them, as well as the videos that they have to offer from Vance Powell and Jakir King, former WCA alums. So the school year is coming to an end soon, which as the kids wrap up school, that also reminds me that, you know, summer is upon us. It's also a time for me where I typically do my annual purges, where I just get rid of junk and digitize receipts and just make sure that the the many things in my life are in order, primarily in the paperwork and the financial aspect of things. And it's also a time where I'll uh, take equipment that I have and really gather it all up and look at what I have and say, what am I not using? What have I not used in a while? And I will purge that as well. Sell it. In some cases, smaller things give to friends, or uh, maybe it's a piece of gear that I want to hold on to, but I'm not using it and haven't used it for some time. And I think, well, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to sell it? Am I going to give it away? No, what I can do is I can place it at a local studio for other engineers to use. And that way I still have it, uh, but it's getting utilized. So that's another aspect of that whole, like, I've got too much gear problem. So uh, consider that this summer, if you're looking for a big project, you know, take the time to get those boxes of receipts out, start digitizing stuff. Remember, I think it's uh, seven years, they say, for tax returns, old tax returns that you don't have to... Uh, keep around. But all these other things that you have that maybe you think, well, I might want to keep a copy of that. Digitize it. And uh, I'll include some links to some apps that you can use to do that. And then, of course, you know, there's the multiple places where you can uh, get rid of gear. Uh, so think about that. Try to try to trim down your footprint of what you have. And if you're looking to buy something new, uh, obviously sell those pieces that you're not using and uh, use that money to fund the next purchase rather than, you know, going in the hole for another piece of gear when you could actually just turn one piece of gear that you have into that new thing. So consider that this summer. All right. So let's get to our interview with Dr. Jeremy Steele here. I've known Dr. Steele and his wife, Jackie, for a number of years. I was going to them on a regular basis and really enjoyed that. And in fact, I was in a car accident and was at their office that very day after the car accident, just to make sure nothing was screwed up. And they've been a great help to me. Now, I stopped going for a while, and then they moved, and then I just did not make a new appointment. And it was actually a number of years. So I recently called uh, Dr. Steele up and said, hey, it's Matt. 
want to make an appointment. I know it's been a long time, but uh, I need to come in. I think I need a, a good tweak. And uh, man, I tell you, I'm really glad I did because it, it feels really good to the body, gives you a lot of extra energy. And I'm not going to try to sell you on chiropractic care, but I just want you to be uh, aware of it, that it is an option if you're going through some kind of uh, bodily issue that, I don't know, maybe doctors haven't been able to help you or you're tired of taking all sorts of medicines that you take. Do your research on chiropractic care and make your own decision, but uh, I'm very happy uh, with Dr. Steele and uh, we'll continue to go to him. So uh, let's get a little more from uh, straight from the horse's mouth. Let's talk to Dr. Jeremy Steele here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Okay, so I'm at Beheimer and Steele Chiropractic in Lafayette, California. I'm here with Dr. Jeremy Steele, who's my chiropractor. Let's talk about what a chiropractor does and really what's at the heart of that. Because for some people who are, there's there's generally, I find two camps of people. There's people who 100% believe chiropractic medicine helps them. Others, uh, I've heard dismiss chiropractic medicine, which is really remarkable based on my positive experience. So can you tell me a little bit about what chiropractic medicine is about? Sure, sure. Um, chiropractic is really the science and the art of creating balance and alignment within the human body. What our main focus is on is the nervous system. It's the computer system for the body. We want to make sure that the body can adapt and move well so that the nervous system can work the best that it can. If you look at a spine, inside of the spine is the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And off of the spinal cord come nerves. And these nerves control every organ and every system in our body. Actually, when we develop as an embryo from inside the womb into a fetus, we have at the end of nerves is where the organs start to develop. Our brain and this nervous system is responsible for creating our body. It regulates, it delegates, it coordinates all of these functions within our body so that our body can work the best that it can. Oftentimes when people are in a state of stress or inadaptability, not able to adapt to the stresses in their environment, what happens is they start to have aches and pains and the tissue becomes strained in their body. The muscles become strained. And that's why oftentimes a lot of people have pain, neck pain, back pain, headaches. I mean, people come in here with any number of conditions that you can think of. And the reality is, is that most of the time these conditions are the root cause is because of their body's inability to adapt and heal. We know if we cut our finger, it will heal. Our body has healing power, a healing potential. And my job is to maximize that healing potential and reduce the amount of stress in the body so that the body can adapt to the environment and be as healthy as it can be and people can live without as much pain, as much discomfort as, as they can. Is this correct in saying that the brain communicates to, let's just say, the stomach and one of those connections is made via the nerves that come down through the spine. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. In audio, we talk about signal flow. We talk about, you know, how audio travels. Like as we talk into these microphones, uh, acoustical sound is being converted to electrical energy and it's going down the mic wire here into, or the microphone cable into this little Zoom recorder and being placed on the SD card. So I imagine for the body, there's a signal flow. And if that signal flow were to get cut off or compromised, then the brain and the stomach, in very simple terms, could not communicate as well. So you might start to develop some issue with your stomach. Exactly. In basic terms, that's exactly how it works. When the spine is misaligned, and it could be at the with, where the nerves directly come out of the spine and go to the stomach, or it could be somewhere else, like in the neck, for example, which is a highly innervated area, a very important spot, especially at the top of the neck. When we have a structural shift, which is the bones, the vertebrae shifting and getting stuck out of place, then it's, it's like turning the dimmer switch down or turning the volume switch down. And so now all of a sudden, our body is not getting the signals that it might need to heal the best that it can. And so people can have all kinds of problems because of that. So when that spine gets out of alignment in any particular section of the spine, it almost causes like a short circuit for that particular area 
Sure, you could think of it like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just always thinking in electrical and audio terms. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, definitely. Okay. So that being said, it's important that the spines stay aligned as much as possible. Sure. Through many audio people sit down at, whether it's a mixing console or a desk with a computer, they're sitting down and a lot of audio people have the worst posture Probably very similar to anybody who's got a, a corporate day gig and they're sitting at their desk all day in front of a computer. See people like that every day. Whether it's audio professionals or not, what can people do to combat that lurching of the neck, that, you know, that hunch that, that we all get? I know I have it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of drummers have it for, for that matter. What are your thoughts on that? The reason that those happen in the first place is these lifestyle habits of sitting down for hours and hours on end. And we're so driven in front of the computer, whether it be to create a project or to finish something, that we're in, already in this state of stress and, and physical stress and mental stress. We're leaning forward or with our equipment. We may not have the best ergonomic setup at our office. And when our mind is in a state of stress, then what happens is our body goes into a stressful state. Our shoulders slouch forward, our head moves forward and down. You could think of almost like a, a boxer stance. When they're out in the boxing ring, their shoulders come forward, their head goes down, they slouch forward in a defensive state. When a, a lot of these things happen because of our mindset, and if we're tired, stressed out, our body goes into that state. When our body's in that state, of course, it puts stress on the spine, the ligaments, the muscles, everything in there. But there was a great study done that showed how our stress is related to our posture. This gal, Amy Cuddy, a wonderful researcher, did some great projects. She actually did a TED Talk on this as well. And she showed that when we sit up straight and have more like a power posture, our testosterone goes up and our cortisol goes down. Now, if you're familiar with cortisol, it's a stress hormone, and it's related to pretty much any chronic disease in the body. You can kind of link it back to stress or cortisol. And she showed that when we have a slouched posture or a weak posture, per se, what happens is our testosterone goes down and our cortisol goes way up, creating more stress within the body. When we're sitting at the computer and we're stressed out already, we slouch down forward, and that puts our body into a more stressed out state and creates this feedback. And then over time, that puts tender stress on our spine and our muscles and our ligaments, and most importantly, the nerves. And we get things like neck pain, back pain, shoulder problems, and even, even down to uh, carpal tunnel problems. So it's important to remember that. Now, sitting up straight may not, is, may not be the only solution. It may not be like, the, the key, the one thing that somebody needs to do, because that's probably not going to address spinal problems that may have resulted from years and years of doing this or even past injuries that somebody's had, car accidents, sports injuries. But remembering to take deep breaths, to lift your chest up, have your head back, shoulders back, elbows down in a more neutral position is a great way to start. And what that's going to do, it's going to bring more oxygen into your lungs. When you breathe, all of these muscles, your ribs are attached to your spine. And there's several muscles in your diaphragm and the rest of your spine that help regulate breathing. So when we're slouched for, we can't take in as much oxygen, which increases carbon dioxide, which also can create more acidic blood, which can create a, a more of a uh, stress response in the body as well. So sitting up straight, you know, it's a good way to start. Head back, shoulders back, elbows down in a good neutral posture. If you're going to be sitting at the computer for a while, make sure you have a good ergonomic setup. Now, one of the big myths about ergonomics is that, oh, once you get everything set up perfectly, you're good to go, right? But in reality, our body needs movement. Our body needs to have motion. There are a ton of articles. I don't know if you saw this on different social media platforms or just people talking about it, how sitting is the new smoking. So now everybody's getting standing desks. Right. Well, that's not necessarily the solution because now you're just in the same position. You're not moving as much, but you're standing. So it's really about being able to be dynamic, 
doing sitting and standing or moving or somehow creating a workstation where you don't have to be stagnant and in the same position for hours on end. Yeah. That's going to help the body tremendously. If we're in this defensive posture, this, this degraded state, we'll say, after many years of sitting, that can, of course, create these short circuits and lead to other things, snowball into other issues, I assume, you know, one thing leading to another, essentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it creates more stress on the spine. When our head is forward from our shoulders an inch, just one inch, it doubles the weight of the head on the the spine. So it puts twice as much pressure on the spine. There was some really good articles, studies about this, and it showed when our head is up to 60 degrees forward, which is the position most people are in when they're on their phones all day. Yeah. Their head's about, you know, it's just hanging forward. So you can think of it, it's about 60 degrees forward from being vertical. That puts up to 60 pounds of pressure on the spine. Now you don't feel that right away because our spine's made to withstand a good amount of pressure. But what happens is over time, it starts to degrade. And I mean, I really believe that our youth these days, because they're just on the phone constantly and they're looking down constantly for hours a day. I really believe in 10 years or so, 10, 15, 20 years from now, there's going to be quite a demand for chiropractic just because of all of the aches and pains that these people are going to be having and and also the the reduction in their body's ability to function and heal. Can you tell me a little bit about the education of a chiropractor? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so there's our undergraduate studies, of course, and, and then we go into chiropractic school. We learn a lot about anatomy, a lot about neurology, physiology. We have more hours in these subjects than uh, medical doctors, unless that's where their area of specialty is. Where the diversification begins is when we choose our specific applications of the chiropractic adjustment. Different chiropractors you go to might be delivering a slightly different type of adjustment, but the goal is very much the same. The goal is to improve the body's ability to adapt to stress so that it can heal. Pain is actually a good thing, by the way. When you have pain, it's your body's way of saying, hey, pay attention to me. Do something different. I'm, I'm trying to heal. So each chiropractor is really focusing on maximizing the body's ability to heal. Where the differences come is mainly in their technique and their application of the chiropractic adjustment. What are some other things that we can do besides going to a chiropractor to kind of keep ourselves from getting into these degraded states? I think setting up your workstation so that it's the computer's higher up, so you don't have to look, you're not looking down, your keyboard's in the appropriate spot. Maybe getting a standing desk so that you can do that from a standing position instead of a seated position. So even though you're in the zone, your, your body might be in a better position to handle that stress for a little while. Mm -hmm. Also just stretching. Keeping your head up above your shoulders is honestly one of, one of the best things you can do for yourself. Stretching your arms back, keeping your shoulders flexible, keeping your shoulders back, your elbows down. I mean, if you're talking about just sitting at a computer, what, what's the best position you're in? It's going to be different for everybody a little bit, mm -hmm. but those are kind of general rules. I mean, if, if you're standing, you're probably more likely to stretch mm -hmm. and move, which is a good thing. So that could be a consideration. Yeah, get up and move. And what about when we sleep at night? Um, sleeping on the stomach is probably one of the worst things that you can do for your spine and as far as sleeping goes and sleeping positions. You know, most people kind of sleep twisted with their shoulder and their head twisted to the side and uh, more on their stomach. And that really torques the neck and it can really lead to more problems over time. Sleeping on the side is the second best position. It's all relative to the individual and what's going on with them, of course. But you can put a pillow between your knees. Make sure that your head is not cocked to one side or the other, that it's in more of a neutral position. You have the appropriate amount of pillows. And if you're on your back, try not to put several pillows under your neck. I mean, you could try sleeping with no pillow or you could roll up a, a towel or, or if you have a small little roll pillow, you can put it under your neck and try to sleep like that. Now, many times if people have structural problems in their neck where the vertebra have shifted and they're out of place and they're causing pressure on nerves and muscles and things, 
it's going to be very uncomfortable to sleep on their back. Oftentimes, one of the first things people say after they see me is, wow, I haven't been able to sleep like this in a long time. And they haven't been able to sleep on their back because their spine has been so twisted up that it's quite uncomfortable. It just really, really changes people's ability to sleep well and heal well and feel well. Stomach, no. Side is okay. On the back is typically the best. Yeah, as far as mattresses go, probably one of the biggest mistakes is people just have mattresses that are too soft um, and they sag a lot and then they just create this this twisting or distortion in the body and or the slouching position while people are trying to sleep. Yeah, so getting getting something that suits your body, of course, but not too soft. So where can people find out more about you and your practice? Steelchiro.com. It's steel like the metal. S-T-E-E-L-C-H-I-R-O.com. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, listeners, and you can go and check that out. And uh, wow, this has been great. Thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure, Matt. Good to see you. Great to see you. And uh, actually, do you have time in your schedule that I could? I do. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to get my back cracked right now. So uh, yeah, thanks again. You're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. Dr. Jeremy Steele here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. All right, now let's jump back into our lane and head on over to Woodruff, South Carolina and talk to Brad Phillips here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. You're the owner and chief engineer at Studio 101 in Woodruff, South Carolina, correct? Yes, sir. That is correct. The big metropolis of Woodruff here in South Carolina. The big metropolis of Woodruff. Yeah. <laughs> and for the audience, uh, uh, Woodruff is located kind of in the uh, the northern part of South Carolina. Yes. It's got a, a very small population. As of 2014, it just, just about 4,000. That's correct. Yep, that's right. Uh, it's kind of a small little town here uh, in the upstate of South Carolina. Upstate South Carolina. Those those are words I've never uttered myself. <laughs> I always when I say when people say upstate, I always assume upstate New York. Right. But upstate South Carolina is a real place. Yes. So so our state uh, throughout the years has kind of been divided into three areas. So we're in the upstate area. Uh, then you have the Midlands, and then you have the Low Country. So the Low Country kind of encompasses Charleston, uh, Somerville. Uh, the Midlands uh, kind of encompasses the state capital, which is Columbia. And then the Upstate is um, everything north of there. <laughs> so the the foothills and Piedmonts of the Appalachian Mountains are here in the Upstate. It's a beautiful area. I love living here. And it's uh, the county of Spartanburg. That's correct. And what's interesting about the uh, the school system there is it seems like at any given time, the graduating class is always less than around 200 from what I understand. Yes. So I graduated in 1995 and my graduating class was 130. The, I think it was 2008 class was 220. So we had a little bit of growth, but it, it stays somewhere in between that 130 and 200 number uh, typically. Huh. So you grew up there. I sure did. Was born here, uh, lived here till uh, I graduated high school, stayed away in Nashville for about five or six years. Uh, and then we moved back, I guess, about um, 2000, 2001, maybe. And uh, what was what was the plan there in, in moving back? I went to Nashville to go to school at Belmont University. So I did the, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so I did the, the music business and audio engineering program there at Belmont. Had kind of intended to stay in Nashville and live there and be a part of that scene there. I got married one month after we graduated high school. Sorry, graduated college. I got married. Right. So we were married, living there for a little over a year. And my wife came to me one day and says, hey, we're moving to South Carolina. (laughs) So so I was like, "Okay, you know, if that's really what you want to do. So when we got here, I, I set up the studio purposefully to open to the public as a public recording facility and had a lot of trial and error and <laughs> stumbling blocks, but that's, you know, that's kind of part of the game. And we, we've been here since about 2001 working as a uh, recording studio facility. I'm looking at uh, a real estate website. You can buy a two bedroom, one bath, a little under a thousand square feet in Woodruff 
for twenty four thousand dollars. Yep. Now there's more expensive homes. There's you know there's you got your twenty two hundred square feet, four hundred ten thousand dollar homes. But yeah, the prices are quite quite affordable from my perspective of living in the Bay Area, where twenty two hundred square feet would set you back probably about one point three million. Yeah, that is the that is one of the largest draws to our area. We have tons of transplants from the Northeast here. Industry is huge here now. Within six miles of my studio building is the BMW America plant. So yeah, we we attract quite a large amount of transplants coming in, looking for jobs. And sure, man, you can buy, you can get into 3,000 square feet here for $150,000, you know, so it's uh, quite a, quite a large difference between living in say, you know, New York, LA, San Francisco. It's, it's, it's a pretty big difference as far as the, the housing market goes. Oh, I bet. Well, tell me about Studio 101. Is that a building you rent or a building you own? We actually own the business here. We own the building here on private property. So we are free and clear of rent and lease and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, it definitely makes for a much better <laughs> overhead, you know, than than traditional studio buildings, I guess. You know what that is? That's magical, it, in my opinion. Yeah, it really is, man. Uh, it is a seriously major blessing. Do not take it for granted. Because as you know, in this industry, uh, there's a lot of fluctuation in, uh, uh, in funds coming in. So... Uh, being able to not be under the the pressure of that that lease rent agreement is pretty pretty awesome. It is a small town, but uh, no shortage of talent. I definitely have watched some of the uh, the live at Studio One Hundred and One uh, recordings made there. Right, some definitely uh, talented people coming through. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the business and the bulk of your business in terms of who who comes in, where do they come from, and what's it like? Right, so. Since you mentioned the the Studio 101 Live thing, it's been very interesting, the just different styles of artists that have come in. And it's been a lot of people that I've worked with here in this little pocket of the world. We are extremely blessed, in my opinion, with some some really great talent, some that's yet to be heard. And some some people have made a little bit of a of of a uh, impression in the music industry. But we we record everything here from. A lot of my roots come from the country, country music stuff. So a lot of artists are attracted to what we do here because of that. I'll tell you one of the coolest things we've worked on recently is a with a with a girl named Kelly Joe Ramirez. She has a band called Fat Lip, P H A T, Fat Lip. Okay, and uh, Kelly is involved in man. She calls it she calls it Latin pop explosion okay and uh, it is this really really awesome blend of uh, latin rhythm and pop music kind of blended together uh, she was just on uh, npr i guess a few months ago uh, they did a they oh. did a spot on her and uh, we did her we did her ep last fall that was just a, it was awesome to be a part of that but but yeah we we have tons of of talent here you know in spartanburg county here where i live just several miles from here the marshall tucker band started here the marshall tucker band wow that that brings me back to my childhood yeah so if if you're familiar with southern rock and the uh and the southern rock days back in the 70s toy caldwell and all those guys were here they started here in spartanburg county not not too far here from where the studio building is so so we have a history of of music and talent here i think that's uh it's it's really uh it's really unique uh i think a unique part of the U.S. here in this little corner of the world. Is it word of mouth primarily that people come to you? You know what? I found that that is the the best uh, advertisement that I have. Uh, you work with clients that are happy with what you do. They're excited about what, you know, the final product. And uh, their their referral to other artists is really the biggest advertisement that I have personally. Okay, so you went to Belmont. You're, you're doing the program there. You end up moving back or moving to South Carolina with with your wife, and when she, you know, announced that to you, did you start to put into place the plan to do Studio One Hundred and One? Was that immediate, or was that something that came later? No, it was actually kind of in the forefront of our minds that that we knew that I had sort of a skill set that I had gone to college for, had a lot of experience in that industry, and I just wanted to kind of jump in. And use that experience here in South Carolina. It was kind of the plan. 
to go ahead and uh, uh, start rolling with a, a recording facility here in the upstate. Tell me about that that planning of it. I mean, was there a proper business plan or did you just say, okay, we're going to open a studio and here's the budget to get it going? Man, so I'll be extremely transparent with you, okay? I was young. I was 22, 23 at the time, and um, I probably did not do enough planning uh, ahead of time. Now, after being in this industry for 16 years, we have a much better plan and a much better idea of how things uh, probably should have been set up in the beginning, okay? So for anybody that's out there listening, uh, mind your P's and Q's when you start this thing. <laughs> uh, just uh, it really is important have a plan. It is hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. So um, we did not come in with the best plan. I just wanted to record, you know. Uh, I, I just wanted to, people to come in and record and make records, and uh, I didn't really think think through the best plan of action for that kind of stuff. If you could do it over again, what what would you have done different when you talk about the fact that you didn't really plan as much as you should have right yeah I, I definitely would uh would have relied on several uh, mentors and friends who were doing what i'm doing I, I really should have uh dug in and listened to to some advice that they were giving me you know come up with a you know a business plan as to like uh who you're going to target you know what what's your target audience what do the finances look like how how much are you going to pay yourself Man, it, it's just, uh, you know, what is spending, budgeting and spending, you know, how much are you going to spend on plugins per month? Uh, all those kind of little things that, you, you know, that I didn't think about initially are, are a lot of things that I wish maybe I would have done in the beginning, you know, and then setting aside savings and, uh, you know, saving up for a piece of gear rather than uh, putting it on credit for, you know, 18 months or something. Mm -hmm. A lot of those things, uh, looking, looking back, you know, are things that maybe I wish I would have done differently. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it totally does. And you know what? I've screwed it all up too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just as guilty. I got you. Well, that makes me feel better then. Yeah. Well, and I, but I think I did it even uh, later in life uh, instead of doing it in my twenties. I think I, yeah, I did it in, in my uh, later thirties. So I should have known better. Right. Right. Well, uh, you, <laughs> you know, we, we're not perfect. So we'll have to live and learn, I guess. You say it's uh it's owned outright. Tell me about the, the, facility itself, the, the the property and where it's located. Is it behind a house? Is it part of a house? What what's the story? Man, so this is this is kind of a long story, but the the studio was built on a property where the house was that I grew up. Okay. So there's like a uh, about three acres here, I guess. So when BMW came in, the state of South Carolina promised them a five lane highway access, okay? So the state of South Carolina comes in and they widen our highway from a tiny little two lane road to this huge five lane thing. Uh, so the house that I grew up in had to be moved. So the house was removed from the property and the studio building actually stayed. So now we're, we're in the corner of two major highways uh, near Greenville and Spartanburg County. And we're kind of at the corner of Greenville and Spartanburg County here. It was a seriously huge pain to have to deal with the moving houses and and road construction and, and all those kind of things. But we actually ended up in a pretty cool spot. Okay. So we're, we're in the corner of two major highways now, very, very visible to the public eye. We've had a lot of, lot more motor traffic through here than we, than we did say 20 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, but that's kind of how it, how it played out with us here where the studio property is. So this is a piece of land that is situated literally between two highways. Yeah. We're, we're at the, we're basically, we're kind of in the corner of an intersection, if that makes sense. One, one road will access uh, Spartanburg and one road access is direct access to Greenville, downtown Greenville. So we, we have pretty, we have a ton of traffic here now, more, a lot more than we did, uh, like I said, maybe 15 years ago. What's, what's the name of that freeway that goes through there? Okay. So Highway 101 is the, the big five lane and then Woodruff Road is the other road that is, uh, man, it is, if you know, if you've heard or looked up anything about the growth rate of Greenville, South Carolina in general, it is astronomical right now. The real estate sales are off the charts. Businesses moving in are off the charts. And the Woodruff Road area is, uh, it's just booming out of control almost. They don't have any more road front frontage room for, uh, for businesses hardly anymore. So 
it, it's been pretty incredible wow. to watch the influx of the growth of this area. It's 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 really been insane. That's interesting. Um, when I was in Nashville last summer, they are definitely going through a huge mm. growth spurt. A lot of a lot of people coming from other areas, and I don't I don't know my facts on this, but I would presume that uh, some of the some of the places, the coasts for sh- for sure, are getting so expensive that it's driving a lot of people uh, to less expensive areas. Right. Which is kind of a problem, I think, for the uh, at least let's say you're you know you're a city like San Francisco. You know, if you're an artist and you've got a a day job, a corporate day job uh, that really takes away a lot of your time, uh, you might have an easier time moving to a place like Woodruff, mm-hmm. where cost of living isn't so bad, and and you're probably going to start running into a lot of other talented people who are in a similar situation. I was literally on the phone yesterday with a friend that lives in Nashville. <laughs> he was sitting in a traffic jam that did not exist uh, maybe five to ten years ago. And Nashville is kind of experiencing, they're experiencing the same growing pains as we are here in Greenville. It's, you know, it's on kind of a, a little bit different level, but everything is, uh, it's very, very similar. Uh, people are moving in, they're buying up all the real estate. You're exactly right. People are looking for a little bit different place uh, rather than maybe New York or LA. I don't know, you know, uh, people are looking for something yeah. different. Do you see that directly affect studio business in a positive or negative fashion? Here in, in the Greenville-Spartanburg area, it has affected us in a positive way, you know, because our cities have been brought to a more national light than they were previously in the past. You know, people are uh, people are noticing us now. Perfect example is um, uh, the Marcus King Band. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. If you're not, you need to check them out. Uh, I will check them out. The Marcus King Band is one of the hottest, uh, bl- you know, blues rock bands that are that are out right now. He's he's an up and coming guy. He's a young guy in his twenties, just a phenomenal vocal and guitar. They came out of this area, you know. He grew up here around all these musicians that were here, you know. And and, and South Carolina has had you know artists in the national spotlight before. You know, Hootie and the Blowfish came from Columbia. You know, so so we've had we've had several artists that have come from this area, but now that uh, the a lot of people in the U.S. are kind of going, hmm, Greenville might be a cool place to live. Uh, <laughs> you know that that does actually, I think, sh- you know, it sheds a little more light on what's happening in our area. It's you know musically and as as well as everything else. It's interesting. I mean, speaking of the U.S. alone, just the population shifting that's happening as you know economic change is happening so you said it it affects your business in a positive way are you seeing an uptick in studio i mean literally studio business as a result of people coming to town and saying hey i need a studio yeah i mean i i think that you know when people move into the area who are musicians either either pro musicians or amateur musicians they're looking for they're looking for the scene i guess so to speak uh, so they start digging in and, and trying to find, you know, what studios are available and uh, who, you know, what what guy in the area works with my style of music, you know. So I think they're looking for those things when they move here to try to get plugged in and network and, and do all those things. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it ha- it, it's, it's definitely affected it uh, in that way, if, if nothing else. So back to Studio 101 in terms of how it operates. Is it just you or are there others involved? Great question. So typically each spring and fall semester, I will do an internship program. So I will bring in several interns from local colleges. Uh, so we have that available, uh, you know, and you know how the intern thing goes, you know, you come in and you, you're here to learn. And, I, you know, I'll never forget the the internship stuff that I was able to do when I was in Nashville, that's just invaluable stuff, you know, being able to sit in a room and soak it all up. Uh, so I'm, I'm passionate about doing that for the schools in our area. In addition, I just, it, it's funny that you asked me that. So I just partnered up with a guy named Ian Guthrie. Ian is Noah Guthrie's brother. So Noah was on the show Glee. They are local here to our area. So I'm partnering up with Ian. He's going to become uh, a staff engineer here for me. So we are just kind of trying to expand, I guess, a little bit here. And um, Ian's expertise, you know, he is connected with people that I'm not. He has expertise in areas that I don't. And I think it's going to be a great partnership to be able to bring in a young engineer like him 
uh, to be able to add to the staff. I think it's going to add value to what we do. So, um, so that's, that's where we are right now. So back to your story where the freeway had to go in and that, that sounded like kind of an eminent domain type of thing mm-hmm. that the state pulled on you. So the, the house moved, but the studio stayed. Correct. And is it in the same location that it, it was originally built on that, on that piece of land? It is actually. So there was originally maybe three acres here and my dad uh, my dad and my uncle and myself and several other, we, we built this building from the ground up, you know, by hand. So uh, it was kind of a labor of love, so to speak. But it was it was located here and um, the eminent domain situation did not affect this particular part of the property. So they were happy just to leave us here. <laughs> so um, it, it and it worked out fine. We, we really are in a, we really are in a good location here now. What was that building originally? Uh, my dad built it as kind of a, a man cave garage area. <laughs> yep. And he, he's always been into music since I was a little kid. Um, you know, I was traveling around on tour buses with him when I was, you know, six or seven years old. So the, the music thing's been ingrained in him as well for a long time. So he just, he just wanted to have his little man cave area. And then the, the state comes in and boots everybody out to put in a new highway, you know. So, uh, so it just remained here in place and and still acts as the studio facility today. Would we know who your dad is? No, my dad was uh, my dad was involved in the Christian music industry back in the mid '80s through the '90s in in Christian and gospel music. And if I told you, you wouldn't know. You would not know who he was. But uh, you know, okay. they were they were around a lot of the Gaither style stuff. If you're familiar with with Bill Gaither, the homecoming series, all that kind of stuff in gospel music. That's kind of what they were involved in for years. What kind of an impact did that, that musical influence have on you as a kid? Oh my gosh, man. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm jumping on a tour bus at seven years old and sleeping in a bunk and unloading, uh, you know, gear from, from, from the bays of, of buses and, and setting it up and, uh, taking showers and truck stops and, um, you know, just kind of soaking it all in at the age of seven. And, uh, it's almost like I didn't know any different, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it was ingrained in me from a very, very young age and just being around that, that type of, uh, that type of scene, it, I guess it just clicked with me, you know, it just stuck with me for all these years and it compelled me to do what I'm doing today. You know, I have a passion about creating music and, and recording and, and engineering and all those kind of things. So yeah, it had a huge impact uh, on me specifically. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tour buses at six and seven years old. Yeah, man. It was wild. I, but you know, to this very day, I still, uh, I still say that a, uh, a bus bunk rolling down the road with the diesel engine running is the best sleep ever in the history of sleep. And if you've never, <laughs> and if you've never experienced it, you need to experience it at least one time. Some people, some people totally hate it. Some people hate, you know, the tour life, the bus life, all that kind of stuff. Did you ever find those bunks kind of claustrophobic? <laughs> yeah, they can definitely, especially when they stack them up, you know, three high on each side of the bus. That's that gets pretty tight. But um, uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's uh, it can definitely be a little a little bit weird when you get in there and you're like, oh, am I gonna am I gonna turn over? Am I gonna fall out? You know, but but I'm telling you, the hum of that diesel engine going down the road, man, I could sleep like a baby. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Well, um, so the building itself, approximately how many square feet is it? Uh, we're about fifteen hundred square feet here. Um, I have a uh, have a tracking room with a couple of ISO booths. Um, we do drums in the main live room. I'm trying, my control room is, uh, 12 by 15, I think something like that. You know, it's not a huge control room, but, uh, we, we just set up a B room last year, kind of an edit suite room where, uh, you know, guys like Ian, when they come in, uh, can, can work and actually bring in overdubs, you know, guitars, uh, vocals, uh, you can do vocal tuning, drum editing, all that kind of stuff. So I have another, another room that's, that's being used right now, uh, for that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I guess, like I said, about 1500 square feet total, nothing majorly fancy out of the ordinary, but we, um, we, we like it. it it's, it's comfortable. And, uh, most of the artists we work with really love the space. You know, it's a, it's a 
kind of a cool creative space to work in. It's worked well for us. Well, tell me about uh, the work-life balance for you. You and your wife, do you have any kids? Sure. We have two kids. My son is 17. He's a junior in high school. Uh, my daughter is uh, 15. Uh, she's in ninth grade, just got her driver's permit. We're all scared to death. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, as, as, as you should be. <laughs> now, she's, she's actually done really great so far uh, with, with the driving stuff. So, you know, now we're trying to progress towards the, the driving test and getting the actual lot, you know, that's the next step. But yes, we, so we have two kids. Our house is just across the road from the studio property here. So I have this long commute to work, you know, it's like a hundred yards, maybe 200 yards. <laughs> um, but wow. But yeah. So, uh, I mean, as you well know, in this business, a 12 hour day is a normal day. A, a 10 hour day, a 14 hour day. Those are, those are like normal days. I had to learn how to say no, which is really hard. And I know that's the same for a lot of people, but, but I've had to sort of pace myself and, and literally just to physically be able to keep up now adding ENN as a uh, assistant engineer, that's going to really help uh, sort of pad that workload. It's definitely been a learning experience. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, if you got young listeners list, you know, listening into this, um, you could spend 24 hours in the studio. I mean, it's it's like once you get going, sometimes, you know, you could you could just stay here and work and work and work and work and work. I encourage you, you know, guys that are listening to take a break. I mean, yesterday, yesterday we were doing vocals in here and we literally took a break. We walked down the driveway. We walked back. We walked around the property a little bit, kind of chilled out for a minute and sort of got a breath. You know, and those are things that I've had to learn over the years. You know, I have to take a take a minute, take a minute to breathe, so to speak. But yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. I mean, I, I don't know if you would agree or not, but in this this business that we we work in, it's it's a high level stress kind of thing sometimes. Um, and be able to find yeah, be, certainly being able to find a good balance uh, that works for you, you know, is um, it's a little bit of trial and error. But uh, you definitely have to take care of yourself for sure. And speaking of that, great transition. Uh, Health and fitness, where does that fall in your life? Man, that's the worst. That's the worst question you could possibly ask me. <laughs> uh, that's the hardest one. Yeah. And being completely transparent again, man, it, um, that's, that's probably the toughest thing for me is to, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready to go home after being here for 14 hours, I'm ready to go home. You know, I don't want to go exercise. I don't want to go do all of those things. But, um, you know, one thing that I, that I have done that I've started doing. Uh, over the past several years, this is totally off the wall, but I've been involved with our local sports program, our local school district. So mm -hmm. I really enjoy like, like, uh, field graphics and striping fields and, you know, doing those kind of things. Totally off the wall. I know. Putting the yard markers on a football field or the, or the yeah. Yeah. And fo football, baseball, soccer, uh, all those things. And, um, it has been, it's like a stress relief for me. It's, it's really cool, man. So you go out, um, I think I paced myself one day. It's close, close to eight, eight or nine miles. Okay. If you start a football field painting process, if you start it from scratch, you will walk almost nine miles by the time you complete a whole football field, the grass, you know, grass surface. So you're painting lines, you're painting everything, painting graphics, so those kind of things are things that I enjoy. So it's almost like exercise without really knowing you're getting the exercise, you know. And that's been kind of my exercise thing that I do and stress relief. And I, I just enjoy it. And, it, you know, the community loves it. You know, people come out to games and they're like, oh, there's the, the, the logo on the field, you know, all those kind of things. Oh, it's not just the, the numbers and the lines. You do a logo. Yeah, man. Um, so we do the whole we do the whole thing, you know, the end zones, the logos, the, everything as far as football goes. But yeah, so that's that's kind of a thing that I've just sort of fell into. <laughs> now, to be real honest with you, it's just just kind of an odd thing, but I enjoy it. So I don't know. Huh. I don't know if people out there listening can be involved in those kind of things, but that's just kind of where I fell. Well, it's never even occurred to me to to like who does that. Well, right, right. Guys like you do that. I guess so. You know, I don't know how it works at every school in America, but uh, that's how we do it here. So um, I don't know if it's available every, everywhere or not. So how does it work when? Uh you know, you've got clients coming to, uh, essentially it's your home really, because it's your property. Mm -hmm. Now it's a separate building, right? but how do you deal with, uh, uh, food breaks? Is, you know, do you ever stop and say, Hey, let's drive into town and, you know, go pick up a pizza or go eat or take a break. How's that work? 100% man. So I am all about some food. Okay. So I'll, I'm a foodie. I love to eat. 
Uh, so I get hungry, you know, and like my part of the day is I want to know where we're eating for lunch. You know, that's that's where I'm planning out my day. Where are we eating for lunch? I do just kind of feel out the client. A lot of times they'll let me know how they're feeling. If we're in the middle of the day, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock and we haven't eaten lunch and I feel like we're not being, you know, we're not progressing, you know, we're kind of dragging a little bit. I definitely will suggest, I'll like, hey, you want to take a break a minute? You want to order a pizza? You want to go, you know, do you want to get out of the building uh, to go somewhere? And, and a lot of times it's a good little refresher, you know, for the middle of the day for everyone to kind of just recharge for a minute and definitely not be hangry. You know, you can, you can get people that, no. that are hangry. <laughs> uh, yeah, you take that and put it in the studio. It could be a bad combination. <laughs> You're exactly right. Brad Phillips here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. We're going to take a pause as we typically do here in the middle of the show and talk about our friends over at Audio Technica. Now, of course, Audio Technica has released the new Blue Black ATHM50X version of their headphones. Beautiful looking headphones. You can find those at audio-technica.com. And, you know, maybe blue black's not your thing. So maybe check out the limited edition red headphones uh, or possibly the uh, white headphones. You know, sometimes it's nice to mix it up a little bit and get, you know, outside of our comfort zone of having everything be black. I know that's, you know, we like to wear black T-shirts and all the gear is black. And, you know, sometimes you just got to introduce a little extra color into uh, your audio gear world. So check those out. That's at audio-technica.com. You can actually buy them right off the website. So check that out. ATHM 50 blue black headphones from Audio Technica. All right, let's get back into it with Brad Phillips here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. I don't know about you, but you know, occasionally you get the once in a while client who you really honestly just don't want to work with. Mm. Right. So have you had to deal with that? And how do you deal with that? I'm, sh I'm sure it makes it even twice as awkward since this is on your property. Right, man. So, you know, I am not really set up as like a private producer type setup. You know, we're, we're really open to the public. So I get phone calls from, uh, you know, very amateur musicians to professional musicians. So we, we get a, a large range of, of phone calls to do projects. And kind of the philosophy that I've developed over the years, you know, it, that, that we're here to serve the public. So if someone wants to come in and record their music and, hey, let's do it. Let's come up with a good plan. Uh, let's, let's come up with the best plan of action to get what you want done. And, uh, you know, to some people recording their own music is like a once in a lifetime dream come true thing. So yeah, there are projects that come in that sometimes you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, but then, but then, you know, at the end of the day, when that particular artist walks out of the door and they're just ecstatic about what you've done, you know, it's really all worthwhile. You know, it's, um, it's just what we do. You know, I, I, I don't really know how to explain it any other way. So that's kind of been my, my thought process for some of those type, uh, projects. What, uh, business advice do you have for those listening, no matter what their skill level is? What, what do you hold dear to your, to your heart as far as how this all, all works and, and, what works for you? Um, well, you know, man, what I have, I, I guess, grasped onto the most over the years is to not sell yourself short monetarily. Okay. So don't give away, uh, don't give away your worth or your value, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, you know, set a price for your skill level and ability and, and make sure you hold yourself to it because you have value, uh, you know, whatever skill level you're at, you have a certain value. And I think you should hold that and, and not give it away for free. I think that's one of the biggest things that I have have latched onto because you know sometimes you really really want a project and you're like, ah oh, maybe I'll cut some some dollars here or there to try to get the project and uh, that may be fine in certain cases but um, definitely don't sell yourself short uh, w with with you know getting paid for your craft you know I like that. How do you deal with downtime and what do you do during that downtime when you're just like, wow man, the phone's not ringing. We don't have any business. Right. Hmm. Wonder what's going to happen. Um, so uh, the last couple of years, I have tried to combat some of that with a couple of things. You know, I collect client contact information, uh, you know, over the years. I have this database of client contacts and I will literally sit down and email people that I haven't worked with in a while and just sort of pick their brain. 
hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Uh, do you have any new music you're working on? Uh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, let me know if we could be any of any help in recording anything you have going. You know, just just make a little initial contact via email, uh, sort of put some feelers out there, and and you never know. You just really never know who's going to respond and say, hey, yeah, I need to get in and come do some work. And then with the advent of, um, you know, Facebook ads and those kind of things, I, you know, I have really seen some some good response with some Facebook ads because uh, you can reach, you know, 100,000 people with very little cost involved. So those are the few things that I try to do uh, when, when, when we're looking at the calendar and we're going, man, we need to fill up some dates. Uh, I just feel like you have to be proactive and you sort of have to seek out. And uh, I mean, another thing I've done is, you know, with, with all the social media that's available, if, if you're scrolling through social media and you see a certain band or an artist or a writer uh, that you're kind of intrigued with, send them a direct message, introduce yourself. That is a great way to kind of open the doors for a, a, a much deeper conversation about uh, coming into the studio to record on whatever level it might be, you know, whether it's recording one vocal or whether it's recording a full band. I think some of those things are key to, um, you know, just creating those relationships with people maybe that you haven't met yet. We're about out of time, but I wanted to ask you, what do you do to better yourself? Mm. Not just in audio, but in life. And is there, what are, what are the things that are important to you to kind of keep you moving forward on all fronts? Right. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, the audio thing, if you've ever feel like you've learned everything in audio, you are completely wrong. Uh, you know, being able to um, uh, take tips and tricks from from mentors and, and experienced engineers and always looking for, you know, uh, new things, new ways to do things, things that you hadn't tried before. I'm always trying to learn and, and better myself in that area. And and I think surrounding yourself with, with a group of uh, accountable people, you know, friends uh, who, who may not even be in the music industry, you know, uh, being able to hang out and talk with people and, uh, you know, church relationship with Christ has been m- another thing for me for, for mm-hmm. since I was a kid and um, being able to, uh, be involved in a, in a church in an atmosphere uh, of worship and people, uh, you know, multiple times a week, man, that's, that's the other part of the, the whole cog in the, in the wheel for me, man. Uh, you know, it doesn't work for everybody I know, but that's, 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 mm-hmm. that's how it works for me. And, um, that, that, that would be the few things that I would say, uh, that I, that I do that I'm a, a part of that help me to grow and stay on track and, uh, to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Speaking of church, do, do you ever get involved recording wise for profit or to volunteer at the church? Sure, man. So um, we have a we have a local church in our area uh, called New Spring Church. They're about a thirty five thousand member church. They have eight campuses, um, and the last the last two albums that they um, uh, that they put out. We, let's see, what all did we do here? We recorded vocals here. We did all the guitars. Um, I think we did a bunch of bass tracks. Um, so, yeah, I man, I, I partner with, with those guys a ton. Um, they will come in and they'll, uh, they'll rent my space for a day and they will dim out and pre-pro uh, new songs, um, I don't know, once every couple months, you know. So they're constantly writing and um, sort of going through that pre-production process as they're going towards you know the next album. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it's um, it's a partnership that I have been um, you know been blessed to be able to be a part of. And it's not not just New Spring, but there's several other churches uh, that um, they they write original music and they want to put that out there for the world to hear and for their people to hear. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's, it's definitely a thing that I've been a part of as well. So fantastic, Brad, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to chat with me and it's great to hear your story. There's a lot of similarities between all of us, but there, the, these subtle differences of where we're at and how we do it and what we do and what we think, I really embrace that. So I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast and uh, really appreciate what you do to be able to show kind of a an overview of what's going on in the audio recording world. I think it's an awesome thing. Oh, well, thanks for thanks for being a part of that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. No problem. Glad to be here. All right. Well, you take care. Yes, sir. You too. All right. Thanks. 
Brad Phillips here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that today, the uh, interview with Brad, as well as Dr. Jeremy Steele. I want to thank those guys. Also want to thank our sponsors before we head out, and that includes Audio Technica, Universal Audio, and Gearsluts.com. And of course, we want to thank our friend Cliff Truesdale, Chuck Smith, and Cole Williams. And I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate the time you're taking each week to listen to me ramble and hear this great information that others have for us. And I hope you continue to spread the word for us as well. Until then, my friends. Take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.